So today, we will continue with our study and looking at the book of Philippians, um, chapter 1. And our uh, text that we'll be looking at this morning is Philippians 1, verse 13. Three weeks ago, we looked at verse 12. And we, as we looked at this uh, verse that uh, Paul wrote, we understood or tried to look at his attitude um, in his situation or the circumstance that he was, that he was um, in. Uh, and today, as we look at verse 13... Please keep in mind Paul's attitude. Remember verse 12 said that he, he told the Philippians church, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. This is Paul thrown to prison and he's writing to the Philippians church to encourage them. He says this, I want you to know that what has happened to me, me being thrown in prison, has actually served to advance the gospel. So just keep that in the back of your mind as we go through verse 13. The attitude of Paul as he looks at life uh, wholeheartedly. So Philippians 1 verse 13 says this. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Here we come to the results of God's sovereignly placing or align Paul to end up in prison. Depending on how you look at it, did God place him in prison or did God allow him to, to, to end up in prison? Either which way, he is in prison. And uh, so we, we, we see the result of that. And there were two results, two ways um, his adversity adver- advanced the cause of Christ. Two ways, he's in prison He's writing to the Philippian church to encourage them. I'm in prison, but I want you to know, church, that actually this that I'm, that's happened to me, I've been chucked into prison. Actually, it has served to advance the gospel. Um, and so there are two ways that we, um, this whole situation played out. The first is that, um, that we'll look at today, verse 13, the impact his imprisonment had are non-Christians, those who are not saved. And then the second um, effect that his being thrown into prison had was um, the, the um, advance or that his situation had on the believers in verse 14. So let's look at uh, verse 13 and examine it. And examine verse 13, knowing that this, we're looking at the impact that the, his imprisonment had on non-Christians. So now we're not looking at the um, impact that had on Christians at large in Philippi. We're looking at the, the impact his imprisonment had on non-Christians. So Paul had become a celebrated prisoner. Ever heard of that? You're a celebrated prisoner. You know, there are notorious prisoners out there. There are people who have done very, very bad stuff. They're, they're thrown into prison. And in fact, they are, they are almost worshipped in, in prison because they have, you know, whether they're gangs or whether they, you know, they've done stuff. And so they are celebrated within the prison realm because they, hey man, I've done A, I've done that, I've done the worst crime that you could imagine. And as a result, I am celebrated. In fact, the other prisoners with me are scared of me because I am who I am. I've done these things. 
Paul here was actually celebrated um, as a prisoner. But he wasn't celebrated because he had done a, a, a crime or committed a notorious crime. He was actually celebrated and notable because of his, tes- of his testimony. He wasn't celebrated because uh, of his hideous or bad crime that he, has, he had done. He was celebrated and, and, and notable because of his testimony. He was actually in jail for Jesus' sake. Now, it's, it, it, uh, it's interesting to, to imagine that. You're not thrown into prison because you've done wrong and you deserve to be in prison. And therefore, and you know, when you deserve to be in prison, you've done wrong, you admit and oh, uh, I'm going to do uh, even greater wrong so that I can be respected into society out of fear. He was uh, in prison because he had done what was deemed to be wrong, preaching the word of God. Preaching the word of God. And so that it, it says it had become clear to the whole palace guard that he has been incarcerated or is in chains for Jesus' sake. See, the, the palace guard was the praetorian guard. These were elite guards that were set up by Augustus Caesar, instituted um, by him, um, and formed kind of the private bodyguard of um, the emperor at that, at, that, at that point. And so if you are thrown into, the, this was like, you know, maximum prison, and these who are thrown into maximum prison are supposedly supposed to be quite notorious. And so Paul ended up here because he was arrested for preaching the word of God. These praetorian guards were an elite troop, an elite bunch. And eventually these members became the kingmakers. They appointed Caesar. And as Rome conquered the nations of the world... These men were appointed to rule over these areas where they conquered. These ba- or this band of men was strategic in the Roman Empire. You see, Paul had become a famous prisoner to the Praetorian, Praetorian Guard. Some of these men came to trust Jesus Christ. Some of these guys came to trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We see that um, in uh, the last chapter of Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 22, where Paul says this as he's giving final greetings to the church. It says, all saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. See, Paul, because of his incarceration was able to reach a segment of society generally out of reach of most Christians of their time. See, the conventional arm or the conventional church at that time uh, could not reach these men. They could not reach because they were an elite group. You can imagine, so who's our president, Sir Ramaphosa? He's got a, a bodyguard in a circle. How do you reach the inner circle? Uh, it's the church, us. How do we reach the inner circle? It's almost impossible. You cannot just rock up at his house and say, I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to tell you some good news. No, 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 no. You've got to go through all sorts of stuff to get the appointment. And your appointment will be... They, you, you, you get the picture. And so Paul had 
somehow ended up here. No wonder um, God had a design for Paul's imprisonment. No wonder it had to work somehow. Did God allow this? Why did he allow it? Because he knew you'll get to the place where these men will never be uh, evangelized. These men had no chance to be um, spoken to about the love of Christ. But Paul ended up there as a result of his circumstances. See, after these men came to Christ, they went throughout the empire sharing their faith. Now, Paul had multiplied himself strategically in the Roman Empire through the help of the Holy Spirit. And um, it's quite, it's a, it's a difficult context. It's a different, difficult situation to be in. Paul, in fact, has been thrown into prison for preaching the word of God. And now he's been thrown into prison. He's waiting, uh, to, he's uh, about to be trialed. He's waiting for his trial. And so he's thrown into the highest level of um, security, as, as it were. And there he has an opportunity to, to present um, uh, Jesus. And it was typically, the church at that time was quite ineffective toward these men, this elite group of, of um, bodyguards. How does the church get into the realm, the, 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 the spaces? It's impossible. It was impossible. And so... Paul ended up there as a, uh, as a result of him preaching the word of God. Um, see, he came into Rome as a prisoner and was able to evangelize to these men. He had a captive audience. They chained to one God at a time. In other words, what they did, it was a, a, a God would look after Paul. At each shift, he would be looked after by a different God. He's, uh, this one God's shift would be saved from, I don't know how it works, from 7 to 4, for instance. And he would be looked after by this, this uh, God. And then the next shift, the next God would come in. And so Paul had a chance to, um, to evangelize, to speak to these uh, um, gods one-on-one. Each shift presented a new opportunity for him to share Christ. Now, can you imagine within the, the, the barracks or the, the elite group of these uh, guards, what was going on, what they were saying? They were probably saying, uh, I've just finished my shift with this dude, Paul. Good luck, go to him. Have you heard about this man? He cannot help himself. All he speaks about is um, um, this Jesus, this Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection for our sin. He spoken to me. I'm finished my shift. I went back again for my second shift. Guess what he was speaking to me about? This Jesus, his resurrection and the death, that he, uh, the death and resurrection for my sin. Me, I'm the God. I'm looking after this prisoner, but he's just going on about this Jesus. Man, I tell you what, you're going to have an earful of this, of this uh, guy talking about this Jesus. He cannot help himself. All he does is speak about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. See, Paul was effective um, as a witness to 
one-on-one um, evangelism. Paul got, saw the opportunity, he's confined, he cannot move, he cannot run away, he cannot... Uh, stu- no, no, he is confined. There's another God who comes to uh, um, look after him. And Paul thought, hey, you and I are here together. Guess what? You're going to hear all about my story. <laughs> and this story is not actually my story. It's Jesus' story in me. Jesus' story in me. See, the most effective way to reach people for Christ is one on one. Even today, me standing here preaching to the converted is not, yes, it, it kind of um, equips us to go out there and do what we call to do, but you have the greatest opportunity, the most powerful opportunity, one on one. Remember, people look at us. How are we, what are we preaching and how do our lives compare to what we are saying? One on one. Now, I doubt that these elite group of men, in, of men in this uh, Praetorian God ever went to, went to church. I doubt that they went to any evangelistic uh, rallies that were happening there, if any at all. They were the elite. They were not to be found mixing with the commoners. They were special. And so um, here they find themselves without a chance and had to hear all that Paul had to say to them. And so we can see and learn that you and I are the best Christians some people know. And in fact, it might be that you are the only Christian some people know. As he continues in that verse, he says that, um, starts off, as I said, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else. And he finishes off, off by saying that I am in chains for Christ. See, Paul never lost um, the perspective that it was not the Roman Empire who put him in prison. He's in prison because of the Romans, in pre- pre- uh, preaching the word. He's arrested for it. You're not meant to do that. But he did not lose the perspective. He did not, he did not say, oh no, the Romans uh, um, arrested me and have placed me in, in prison. He realized that he's not a prisoner of Caesar, but Jesus Christ. The sovereign hand of God had put him in the situation, had allowed him to be in that situation. So, I mean, the, the, my attitude would be like, oh... In fact, Paul had the, every reason to be upset. He had every reason to be um, angry at God. But his attitude was different. His attitude wasn't anger toward God. His attitude was different. See, notice his attitude here. It was linked to the perspective he had of God's sovereignty. 
Now, sovereignty is a word that uh, is used in church circles. And uh, there was one uh, preacher, pastor, person said to me, the word sovereign will of God is um, a, a word that's thrown out there when preachers don't know, don't have an answer. So I say, no, the sovereign hand of God, um, because they don't have an answer. And the truth of the matter is, we, uh, preachers, we all don't have uh, all the answers. But Paul here, in his, um, in his uh, adversity, there he realizes that there was the, the, the sovereign hand of God was upon his life. Why would he be thrown into prison? For preaching the word of God. And in fact, because he's been thrown into prison for preaching the word of God, he has actually, in our understanding, every right to be upset. He has every right to be angry with God. To say, God, but why? I'm doing your will. I'm doing your work. But I've been thrown into this place, into a prison. I cannot get out. But see, his attitude, because he understands the perspective of God and uh, he who holds up, uh, everything in the palm of his hands, he who is sovereign, sovereign meaning that we, he's supreme, he's, he holds all power in, in, in his hands, he holds it all together. We don't understand how the outworkings of it, one day we will, and maybe even on this earth we will, but we, we, are, not to be, we, we are not meant to understand everything. We're not meant to know everything. The Word of God says that His ways are higher than our ways. Heavens are higher than the earth. So Paul had that perspective. So he wasn't angry. He was not angry at God. He had a different attitude. Father, I'm here. I'm here in prison. Do you know what, you, uh, uh, what you've called me to do? And I've been placed in this place. So what do I do? I can be angry, I can, which doesn't add to my life, doesn't do any good. Because I know you love me. I know you have the best interest in your heart for me. I know that your plans and purposes will outwork themselves in my life. I, but I still don't understand. But because I trust you and I know that you're for me, I'm just going to ask for the opportunity to do what you want me and allow me to do whilst I'm in this situation. And I wonder if that's not of you, true of you this morning. You might not be in prison physically like Paul was, but perhaps you're in prison mentally or circumstantially. But I would encourage you, wherever you find yourself this morning, is to ask yourself this question. Look at your life and ask yourself this question. How can my current life situation help advance the gospel? How can my current life situation, though I don't understand it all, I don't see the bigger picture, I see the small picture within the circle that I'm called into, but how can it be used to advance the gospel? What divine path has God allowed here? Could it be 
you are the uh, you're in the place where you are because you are the only one who, who's um, given the opportunity for people to hear about Jesus. Paul could have been a different man. He could have said, no, no, well, I'm, I'm angry. I'm going to, I can't preach this Jesus. In fact, because I'm preaching this Jesus, I'm here. Now he looked at the situation. He asked, God, how can I advance this, this gospel through? And God allowed him to be there. And because he allowed him to be there, because his attitude was different, he had the opportunity to preach to each of these elite group of uh, soldiers one by one. They, some of them gave their hearts to Christ as a result of that, as we as I referenced in the last chapter of Philippians 4, where they said, greetings to all, especially those who are from the household of Caesar. If Paul did not end up in prison at this elite level, I wonder if any of these soldiers would have ever heard and known about Christ. God had a divine plan in the madness, in the myth that we don't understand. God had a divine plan. Had a divine plan. I do wonder. Because obviously everyone's situation is different. Everyone's going through a different walk in life. Yours is not similar to, to mine. Uh, could be in, in certain areas, but uh, it's varied. You've got um, situations that you're going through. And I would just really encourage you this morning to ask the question, how does my situation, how can the gospel advance in my situation? What opportunities are you giving to me so that I can uh, you know, preach this Jesus like Paul did? About his um, death and his, his resurrection for my sin, for you who's not saved, your sins. How can I do that? See, Paul's attitude here was astonished. Astonishing, should I say. And actually, his whole attitude from verse 1 through to where we are, verse 13, has been astonishing. He was not angry. He's looking for opportunity to give God praise and thanks and to preach the word of God wherever he's found with every opportunity that he receives. He wasn't angry toward God, but he had this attitude, one that asked the question, how do I best preach God to a lost and dying world? How do I make the best of my situation for God's ultimate glory? In, a, in your life. So I ask this morning. We learn again Paul's attitude. Was astonishing. Was impeccable. He, has, he had every right to be upset. He had every right to turn around. But his perspective was different. His perspective was different. And I know his perspective was different because he was um, aligned to Jesus Christ. I've often said, unless you're yielding to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit um, is limited to uh, work in you. We need to be a people who are continually yielding to him. And as we continually yield to him and allow him to be him in our lives, without asking questions, allow him to be him. So we will have these, uh, this kind of attitude 
where we said, I don't understand. I am where I am. I've been thrown into this place. I don't, um, this has been labeled. This has happened. But God, how does this work? How can it be used to advance your, your gospel? Because we live in a world that needs to hear the word of God. Needs to hear the word of God. So can I ask us to, um, in fact, I want to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes if you're okay to do that. And I'm going to pray for us. Father, we thank you for your example. We thank you, Lord, that you are indeed the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning to the very end, God. And as we have been learning from this wonderful passage of Scripture, this book in your Word, I pray, Lord God, that you would help us. Help us to emulate Paul's attitude. Help us, Lord, when it's difficult to give it to you. Help us, God, when we don't understand to still be found faithful to you, God. Help me, us as a family, God, to ask this question. How can my current situation advance your gospel? How can I show your love to these people who, in my opinion, actually don't deserve it? Wrong attitude, because I didn't deserve your love in the first place, but you give it to me. I ask you, Jesus, by your spirit and by your help, that you'd help me to shine your light into a darkened world. Every day of my life, help us all, God, to be representatives of Christ and Christ alone for your ultimate glory, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.